Hello, my studio teacher friends. Welcome to the Beyond Measure podcast. Christina Whitlock here, your host and self-appointed anytime piano teacher friend. You are listening to this episode ad-free because of the generous support of my Patreon community. If you find value in what I do here, I invite you to partner with me to help ensure this content keeps rolling out to the teachers who need a friend like me in their lives. Details can be found at patreon.com slash beyondmeasurepodcast. And now, on with the show. You are listening to episode 158, Cheers to Advice for My Early 20s Teacher Self. Look, I am not shy about the fact that I have grown a lot on my teacher journey. And I mean, I hope I'm not done growing yet. (laughs) I often wonder if I'm going to look back on these podcast episodes someday and think, what was I even talking about? (laughs) Because growth is the goal, right? For our students and for ourselves. I know that you guys agree, or you wouldn't likely be interested in this particular show. Anyway, I was thinking recently about the advice I would give my younger teacher self. I have always said that the number one thing I wished younger teachers understood was the fact that other teachers are your greatest asset in this profession. The other teachers local to you, Those people are your colleagues. They are not your competition. You have so much to learn from them, and they have things to learn from you. And they will likely be in your life much longer than any of your students. Now, I have a whole episode on that idea. It's episode 30, and it's called Cheers to Your Local Teacher Friends. And just in case you're someone who struggles with local colleagues, the episode immediately following that is titled Cheers to Challenging Colleagues (laughs) because, well, sometimes your local teacher friends can be difficult. I get it. So if today's episode interests you, you might want to jump back and listen to episodes 30 and 31. They will be linked in the show notes for today's episode. Moving on, while that idea of embracing fellow teachers as colleagues and not competition is still a key piece of advice I would offer to my younger self, I've also begun to dig a little deeper on that lately. After all, why are we prone to look at other teachers as competition? I know it could just be business, like we're scared they're going to take all of our students away, but I think it often stems from a deeply rooted desire to prove ourselves. And that is likely a result of insecurity and that nagging question of, am I really good enough to be doing this? 
especially as a young teacher, I was so eager to prove myself that I mistakenly believed the only way to do that was to have the competition winners or to have the largest studio or the highest standards or the most strict policies, whatever. I sincerely thought the litmus test of what made me a good teacher was the way my students performed to the outside world. And we're going to camp out on this idea today because I know this is something that plagues studio teacher world. I need you to understand the worth of what you bring your students and your community is so much more than how they perform in public. Before someone throws tomatoes at me here, let me be clear. Having students who perform well in public is an element of being a great teacher. If you have students who regularly provide lackluster performances in events, there is room for improvement on that front. Largely because part of being a great teacher is not setting your students up for disappointment. It's knowing what repertoire they are capable of performing solidly. It's working on a proper timeline. It's communicating regularly with their parents so they are on track at home. I mean, it's all of those things. I have a three-episode series on preparing students for performance. That's episodes 64, 65, and 66. I will, again, link those episodes in today's show notes, as well as a terrific online course by Jana Williamson on preparing confident performers. That's a lot of content for anyone looking to improve their students' outward performances. And again, I think this is indeed one factor of being a solid teacher. But allow me to tell you a few examples where I went wrong thinking that was all that mattered. Immediately after graduating with my master's degree in performance and pedagogy, I was named a national finalist for the MTNA Studio Fellowship Award. Mind you, this was in 2006. This award has undergone quite a few changes for the better since then. But back then, the Studio Fellowship Award was given to one young teacher, and it was $3,000. And I wanted it, friends. (laughs) I wanted it bad. (laughs) Once being selected as a national finalist, I had to compile a pretty hefty collection of submissions. Among them were two video demonstrations of my teaching. Now, when thinking about which of my lessons to film, it felt like a no-brainer at the time to choose my two most advanced students. I didn't even consider other students because I thought seeing me with more advanced students was going to be what sealed the deal. Well, I ran across those teaching demonstrations a few years back, and I was mortified at what I submitted. Any contributions that I made to that lesson were, well, lackluster at best. 
My students played fine, but I did not showcase any real teaching skills in those videos. And needless to say, I am not surprised that I did not win the award that year. I just shake my head at myself now because I should have considered what I do that makes me a remarkable educator. Instead, I was blinded by my desire to prove myself as a teacher who had advancing students, so I submitted a teaching demonstration that literally contained a conversation about what kind of dog food my student fed her puppy. <laughs> oh, friend, how I wish I were joking about that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she showed that she could play. She was playing the Toknani Postludium beautifully. But yeah, there was no showcase of my particular brand of teacher magic in that video. <laughs> so here is the lesson of today. The mark of good teaching is not always visible to the outside eye. You, my friend, have strengths that may or may not earn you public accolades, but those outside observations do not define how good of a teacher you are. How our students perform to the outside world is only a fraction of what determines our worth as educators. My younger self made a real error in judgment, thinking that I needed to have students in bigger repertoire to qualify as a, quote, good teacher. <laughs> I remember the first time I really came to accept the truth on this matter. I've shared this story before, so forgive me if it's familiar, but a local university announced they were hosting a community recital of sorts where each local piano teacher was invited to send another student to play. Of course, they were trying to get prospective students onto campus so they could recruit them, but we teachers knew it was a great opportunity for our students to get some performance experience in front of a different audience. Well, of course, each teacher was going to choose their strongest student since they were essentially the public representative of their studio. But I had this nagging feeling that I needed to send someone else. My most advanced students at that time were finding all kinds of performance opportunities and were already committed to attending other universities. So this seemed like a no-brainer to send another student who was solid, but who also didn't get as many special opportunities as the others. Friends, this was harder than I would like to admit. <laughs> My student was playing a few of the Cherepnin Bagatelles from Opus 5. I mean, she could play, but comparatively, other students were playing larger pieces and we're probably stronger overall. So here we were at this seemingly zero stakes event. <laughs> no prizes, no repertoire requirements, nothing. Just a recital to showcase our students. And I still had to fight myself to send this student instead of those who were stronger. 
all because I was overly concerned with the public opinion of my teaching. So I had a choice to make. Did I send one of my sure thing students so I could maintain an impressive image? Or did I send the student who would actually benefit more from the experience? I am happy to say I chose the latter and she played very well. But it wasn't without debate on my part, okay? <laughs> In actuality, the student I sent worked really hard to be ready for that performance and she probably took it more seriously than any of my other students would have at the time. So it all worked out beautifully, but it was challenging for me to make the right decision. So <laughs> this was all one big walk down memory lane today, wasn't it? <laughs> my whole point here is for us to remember that there is much more to our merits as teachers than what meets the outside eye. Look, I hope you are celebrated in your community for the incredible work you do. I hope you get lots of celebration. <laughs> but even if you don't, it's important to find contentment in your own efforts. Good work is a reward unto itself, right? Being great with elementary students is an incredible thing. As we all know, it takes a lot to teach beginners well. I mean, I know we all roll our eyes when people seem to think that anyone can teach beginner piano, right? <laughs> Ugh, it's just not the case. In fact, I often recommend my pedagogy students begin by teaching intermediate students first when possible, because it's often more relatable for them to do so. Those of us in the trenches teaching the beginners, establishing musical pulse and rhythmic vocabulary, helping with handshape and posture and fostering creativity and a love for the instrument, these are all a big deal. <laughs> they don't often come with much in the way of public acclaim, but they are admirable nonetheless. The work we do in lessons, the trust we're building with our students, and the way we adapt to their needs from week to week, the questions that we ask, the humor that we bring, that stuff is the most important work we do, yet outsiders are not likely going to see it. So, friends, what would I tell my early 20s teacher self? Stop being so concerned with what the outside world sees. That work you're doing within your studio walls, away from audiences and other piano teachers, that is the stuff that matters. Let's wrap up with a toast today, my friends. <laughs> Studio music teachers from all around the world. Today, we are reflecting on our teacher journeys. Whether we've been at this for one year or 40 years, we are still growing, still learning, and may it always be so. 
Cheers to you, my friend, whose best work may never be seen by those on the outside. I know the good work that you are putting into the world. So here's to finding contentment in work well done. May we never sell ourselves short just because we don't receive public attention for what we do. I am raising my glass to you right now. Here, here. Okay, that was an important one, friends. And now it is time for our Teacher Friend of the Week. This week's Teacher Friend of the Week is my dear friend, Mary Woods. Mary Woods is a teacher in Alabama. (laughs) Roll Tide, right, Mary? (laughs) Mary is one of my original Patreon community members, and she always shares the best ideas with us. Several months ago, during one of our Teachers Teaching Teachers meetups, we were talking about the pluses and minuses of allowing our students to make cuts in their recital pieces. As in, what to do when part of a recital piece is just not up to snuff. We discussed different perspectives related to this matter when Mary Woods said the best thing. She told a story of a student who had recently been in that position, and she offered to turn the piece into sort of a dueling piano performance, where she would play a second piano, and they would alternate sections back and forth between her and her student, allowing Mary to cover that rocky area. Now, obviously, this would only work with certain types of pieces, but seriously, my friends, is that not the best way to turn lemons into lemonade? (laughs) To avoid shaming a student and make sure they still had a great time performing? This is what I'm talking about today. I don't know how much public acclaim Mary gets for her quick creative thinking, but hey, she's getting some today. Congratulations, Mary Woods, for being our teacher friend of the week. (laughs) By the way, this is the kind of stuff that you get access to when you join the Patreon community for $6 a month. Teachers Teaching Teachers is just that. We have so much to learn from our fellow teacher friends, and I am grateful to be in a position where I get to host these conversations every month. Check out patreon.com slash beyondmeasurepodcast to get in on the action. Our next conversation is happening this Friday, February 23rd. All right, that's it for this week, friends. Onward and upward toward doing your own good work.